we're constantly trying to grow in this little niche. Hey, welcome back to another episode of the Growth and Scaling Podcast. I'm your host, Todd Westra. And today we have got an amazing interview with a man who has been working in the same business since sixth grade. Yes, I said sixth grade, 12 years old, and he was working for his dad and later became the CEO of the company and has been running it now for over 20 years. Fantastic journey. And we don't hear about these stories very often working out, but somehow, some way, Scott Schober, who's the guest on today's episode, has been able to not only grow and scale his business much bigger than what his dad had been able to do, but also has been able to navigate the tricky world of nepotism and make it work. It is not an easy task, but he has somehow been able to make this work, and I think you're going to love this interview. If you've thought about or considered working with family or friends, you need to listen to this episode because it is it is not always the smartest play. But in this case, it's worked and it's worked well. And they've been able to create a culture where it does work and they've been able to grow and scale successfully over the last 50 years. I love this story. You're going to love it as well. I look forward to catching up with you on the other side of this interview and capturing your thoughts down below. Please don't hesitate to let us know what you think about working with family and friends and whether you do it or not. I would love to know personally. I don't know how many people can successfully pull this off. So share below whether you can or can't do this and share this with someone that needs to hear it. We'll talk to you later. Hey, welcome back to another episode of the Growth and Scaling Podcast. I'm so excited today because we're going to be covering a, a man who is running a company doing what most of us fail to recognize we need all the time. And so cybersecurity, right? I mean, we all have problems with it. We all don't do anything about it. So today's going to be a fun interview. We've got Scott Schober on the line today and he, I'm going to let him do the intro to him and his company. Scott, tell us who you are and what do you do? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm running a, a wireless threat detection company. We sell mostly to cybersecurity companies, which cybersecurity has been a huge problem. It kind of affects all of our lives now. Uh, we're 50 years yes. old, we're privately held, um, and it's a fun business. We're, we're, we're small, but I call it mean and lean, and we're constantly trying to grow in this little niche and uh, a, a lot of fun as a business. You know, it's interesting that you, you brought up a couple things there that uh, I want to hone in on. First of all, a 50 years old company and you're only 35, how does that happen, first of all? And second of all, talk to us about the niche. Yeah, sure. Uh, the company was founded by my father back in 72 or so, so we're 50 years old. I've been running, I'm Love actually it. about a little more than what, 53 I guess I am now. So I've been running it about 20 years now. So first 30 years, my Perfect. father, then I kind of picked up the reins and have been uh, doing stuff since then. And I kind of pivoted the company. We were initially a design company. People had a problem, very unique, and we tried to provide full solution. Now, fast forward 50 cool. years later, I, I've migrated it more to a product company where we design and manufacture niche products that solve very specific solutions that I identify in the industry. And most of them, I call it where, where wireless crosses cybersecurity. We're kind of at that intersection there. So it's a very different company. There's not many other companies out there that do exactly what we do. I love it. So, so honing in on a niche like that, I mean, it's, it's, it is kind of different. I mean, for a lot of founders out there listening to this, they try and hit this very broad need 
and you're taking a very, very siloed part of a very broad need, would you say? Yeah, de definitely. You're absolutely right. And, and to add to that, we do something even different. We don't do any advertising. So my advertising budget <laughs> is zero, which is kind of different. Most companies say, you're crazy. Yes. You can't do that. I say, well, for us, what we've learned is if you work hard and prove yourself over time, and this is not over years, this is over decades, you build right. a name and a brand and people will remember you and come back. And, and we used to sell to maybe it was the technician at a company. Now he's got his own startup and he's running the company. He remembers right. us and picks the phone up to Scott. You helped me 20 years ago. Help me right. out again. What do you got for me? So that's important. Building your brand awesome. and your reputation. So, so just to take a step back though, just so everyone is real clear on the company, you're taking wireless security. That, the problem is what? People log into a wireless platform and they get hacked, right? I mean, is that the problem? I wanna make sure I'm understanding correctly. Sure, it's a combination. Anytime wireless can be used, I call it as a conduit to get into a network. And what does that mean? Right. It could be a cell phone, it could be Wi-Fi, it could be Bluetooth or some other spurious signal out there that is used to hack into a network or getting right. to our credit cards or getting to our car, our smart home, our house, whatever. Right. Whatever they want to use to hack, wireless is the most common conduit because it's got the most vulnerabilities and can be easily exploited. So that's why we're sitting right, right there at that spot doing a lot of R&D developing it. tools to help. I love it. And are you reselling then to other manufacturers of the hardware? Or, or how, or is this a solution for the consumer to come in and, and find your company and use it as a, as a protection kind security? In there, a lot of the stuff we do is B2B, business to business. Yeah. So like, for example, um, there's a lot of fraudulent credit cards or cards stolen for in sure. gas pumps and ATMs by skimmers. We all heard about that. You stick your card and it's stolen somehow. We develop tools that will determine if there's a skimmer in the ATM or in the gas pump. Wow. So there, in turn, we're selling that to financial institutions, petroleum industry, anybody that wants to monitor the credit cards so they're not compromised. Wow. Okay, that's pretty cool. That's that. Now that I get it better, that's a that's a really cool thing. I got to imagine though that in that particular niche, that industry, there's not a lot of specialists that do what you do. Yeah, that and and that's one of the most important things I always say. But my job as the CEO is to do the analysis and work between the engineers and the industry. So I'm kind of between our company and the customers, identify the problem, come up with a solution that's easy for the customers to understand without getting bogged down in all the, the technical stuff. And that's a, that's a fine line to walk. So that means I have to wear an engineering hat, right. a CEO hat. I have to pretend I'm the customer for a minute. I have to right. work with sales. So I'm, I'm constantly doing this throughout my day. Wow. That's cool. So, so with that being said, I mean, you've obviously got your footprint in the industry. You've, you've been around for five decades. I mean, that is just awesome. Really awesome. Um, I think a lot of us have a tendency to think, um, you know, I am going to be in my business till I die. And, and maybe you will, maybe you won't, but, but it'll kill me <laughs> or it kills you. Um, so, but tell me about your growth journey. I mean, obviously as technology has changed, your business model has changed, it's evolved. It's kind of become something very different than what it started with. I'm guessing how yeah, have definitely. you, how has your journey been since you've kind of taken the reins of the business and, and taken it to where it's at today? Are there some highlights along the way? Maybe some key moments where you're like, that's it. We're making this change and that's, that's led to some good success. 
Yeah, I think so. And I, I, you bring up a great point. I think when I reflect back, especially when I took over, I saw where we were designing things for the wireless industry. These were long designs, very expensive, took a lot of engineers. Yeah. Take a year, year and a half for the likes of uh, Oki Telecom and Daewoo Sung Mi were developing standards. And wow. it took, you know, a room full of engineers and think tanks to develop this. Hard to make profit with that. Yeah. Sometimes you do, sometimes you don't. So our growth, we were kind of limited. We would do maybe $3 million a year, bump up a little, down a little bit. So when I pivoted and said, let's look now at products yeah. that have our name and our brand, that we control the price, that we control the profitability and focus yeah. on niche markets, it then opened the door and that allowed us to take it up nice and steady. I, I don't want to say logarithmic growth. That's good and bad. It's great when it first happens, yeah. but it could be a catastrophe, crash and burn. And that's how a lot of the customers we've dealt with over the years. Yeah. So instead, I'm looking for that linear growth that we could take it to scale and grow internally to support it. When we can't do it anymore, then we have to learn to effectively outsource what we can't handle anymore internally. Right. And that's a very fine balancing line. And I always encourage CEOs, you need to constantly research and find ways to improve your efficiencies, right. look at other alternatives and people to partner with so you can do a better job. Oh, I love I love so much of what you just said. You know, th there are so many founders who think that they've got to just in-house everything. And, and they think that part of growing their business is growing their team, right? What you just said is just absolutely phenomenal because you're talking about strategically aligning yourself with other people. They do parts and pieces that you need. Nobody needs to know it's not your group doing it, right? I mean, they become your group. How does that work out for you? At first, it's a nightmare, to be honest with you. For, for example, assembling our boards, we had a very large group of people, half dozen people just soldering all the components. We had to buy a pick and place machine. We bought a second pick and place, which is basically putting all the surface mount components on. Right. We had to learn that industry. Not an easy industry and it's no. changing every two to three years. So once we were able to successfully outsource that and partner with another company, right. that's about four times our size, guess what? Now our yield is better. We, we can produce high volume and we could meet the customer's needs. And that allows you to take it to scale. Same thing with machining. We were right. dealing with three machine shops. There, I did something different. I said, let's look at some good quality Haas CNC machines. I brought one in, got a machinist in, got a second one. Wow. A machinist in. We do a lot of our machining here now internally. Wow. And that allows us to rapidly respond to customer's needs. So it's so balancing that. So you went both directions. Home. Yeah, oh yeah, you have to go both. You, yeah. you have to pick and choose carefully what you can do and at the same time, what you can't do. And I would say more than can and can't, maybe what do you prefer to do? <laughs> what, True. what makes more sense? I mean, sometimes machining is a real pain in the butt, depending on what you're designing, and you don't want to do that. And the boards might be more interesting for you. You know what I mean? It's, it's interesting. And even in the digital businesses, I found the same thing. Some businesses are able to in-house creatives, for example, but they outsource all the blog writing or they, you know, whatever. Every business out there listening to this, you do need to make decisions in your growth journey. Are you gonna in-house this? Are you gonna outsource this? If you are, is it gonna be a known commodity that you're outsourcing or are you gonna just keep a secret, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. And I think that helps you also analyze what a lot of CEOs don't do, I think. Analyze your profitability. Yes. And especially oh in the past two years, yeah. I've been doing that closer and I found certain things we can outsource and we could greatly increase. We could make our profit 20, 30% higher on that wow. one particular item. I'm not dummy. I'm going to, I'm going to focus on that and find <laughs> other ways to constantly improve. 
Right. You know, you know, it's it is it's interesting what you've just brought up is sometimes becoming more profitable doesn't always mean more revenue. No, no, it doesn't. <laughs> yeah, you could you could spend it the wrong way and try different things. I'll give you a perfect a short case in case in point example. Yeah. Um, recently had an idea, wanted to come up with something, a little simple tool that could help identify tags, air tags, tiles, Samsung smart right. tags, which are used to track our luggage, blah, blah, blah. But they're also being used by bad guys for stalking and tracking individuals. Interesting. Um, so I said, geez, let's come up with a way. And we did a lot of R&D, a couple months, got an idea. And then interestingly enough, my partner, Craig, it's also my brother, he said, why don't we try a Kickstarter? It's a Kickstarter, I don't know anything about it. Let's research it. He researched it, I researched it. I said, okay, this makes sense. The only thing we don't really need, we don't need the money. That's usually the reason you use right. Kickstarter. I said, ah, but more importantly, we need the feedback from a different select market that we don't normally talk to. We don't wow. talk to people that are getting stalked or tracked normally. So we use the Kickstarter campaign to educate ourselves. We put, put out there, we needed $18,000 and set it all up, this and that. And we ended up bringing in $38,000. We were blown <laughs> away. I said, wow, it really works. But the most important thing wasn't to raise the money. The most important thing was to get the feedback from the yeah. customers to fine tune the design, which brought 100%. us to market faster. In, in in a matter of three weeks, I think we've got over a hundred units sold. Brilliant. That to me is important when you're analyzing the market, the price points, and really listening to the customer ultimately. Hey there, friends. This is Todd. Running a business, honestly, can leave a lot of founders and operators feeling lonely and isolated. If you have ever felt that way, trust me, I know what it feels like. And there is something you can do about it. You've heard a lot of our guests talk about the fact that being lonely and isolated is one of their biggest challenges in trying to run and scale their business. CaptainsCouncil.com. Go to CaptainsCouncil.com right now and see what we're doing to resolve this problem. We want you to be a strong operator who has solutions and has a way to get around the challenges you're currently facing. What most founders don't understand is that you're not alone. The challenges that you're facing, likely somebody else has already overcome and they can give you the feedback you need to overcome them. Who better than your peers, other founders, other operators who are joining with you in a small group setting, a global community setting, as well as at our in-person events to guide you through these challenges that you're facing right now. Don't give up, keep on pushing, but do it with some good advice from your peers. Go check it out at captainscouncil.com and let me know what you think about the offering. We can't wait to see you there. Brilliant, brilliant. I love it. You can never, you can never find too many ways to listen to your customer. And uh, listen, I, I 100% agree with that. Now, as you've gone through this growth cycle, and, and I love that you're talking about some of these things because it stimulates things for other founders. I, I think that those listening really are trying to figure out what is, what do I need to do next? What, what do I need to do next? And oftentimes that happens when you run into challenges. What are some of the big, like slap in the face things that have happened to you since taking over and running the business? Oh, I think I could easily get bogged down with the minutia and you feel like nobody can do it as good as you. <laughs> and that's not a good thing. Sometimes you no. have to trust others. You have to properly learn to delegate. If you, if you trust somebody else and they don't know how to do it, Take the time, and I've actually done this. I walk over, I sit down next to somebody and say, how are you doing? Yeah. I'm saying, oh, I'm having a problem with this. I said, can I try? 
hey, show me how you do it. Yeah. So now suddenly you're at their exact same level. Yeah. Maybe it's soldering, maybe it's typing code, maybe it's designing something, doesn't matter what it is. Get at their level and understand their kind of pain points. Yeah. And then go away, think about it and say, what can I now do to help solve some of their frustration and problems? And guess what? When you come in, maybe it's a new soldering station, maybe it's new lighting, it doesn't matter, whatever it is. Now they're sitting there thinking, wow, my boss gets it. He actually cares about me right, right. and listens to me and is actually taking an active interest and solve the problem for me or work toward a solution. And I was the one that thought of it. Good for me. And, and that way you also can work with them on a reward system yeah. and help them grow within an organization. How, how have you been able to establish that with your culture? I mean, what, what are so, a lot of... A lot of founders struggle with developing the culture where that can even happen. What are some steps that you've done and maybe things you learned from your dad that, that you've now either modified or just really instilled in your business to allow your people to feel like that they could do that? Yeah, I, I think you have, to, you have to trust them, but really trust them, number one. Um, you have to also question them, but in a way that you challenge them. Yeah. So you, they may say, you know, somebody says this can't be done. You say, you know what? He said that can't be done. I bet you're smart enough. You could find a way to do this. I'll yeah. work with you. Let's try to do some research. Let me get you some resources. And again, you're working with them to help them find a solution. Um, I think that that's really important. Hiring, obviously, top talent. And I, and I often use the term interdisciplinary skills. So they're not just a software coder. In our business, you have to understand software. You have to understand hardware. You have to right. understand radio frequency. Having that interdisciplinary skill where you could jump and you can wear different hats and you can work on multiple projects at the same time is really beneficial here. You know how many managers we have in this company? You're looking at them. That's it. We don't have any layers of management. Wow. That's very non-typical in our industry. And it's almost scary when I say it sometimes, but what does that mean? I can assign a team leader to something that I can obviously report to, get an update. You entrust your entire staff that they're going to follow through and come in and know what to do. Yeah, they need direction right. here and there occasionally, but they become a self-starter automatically because nobody's right. standing over them with a clipboard telling them what to do. And I think that's important. They start to own the product and take responsibility and then they get happy. And I share the feedback of customers with the staff too, I the good it. and the bad, that's important. Not yeah. just all good praises, not just all the criticism. Right. That allows the products to improve as well and the employee. So so as a founder, or not, a, not even as a founder, but as the director of the business, you know, as the person in charge of running the overall success of the or failure of the business, what types of things have you chosen to keep under your direct control versus what are you delegating to the different parts and pieces of your of your of your company? And how do you decide when to hire someone to take on a new challenge that you really don't have the bandwidth to deal with? Yeah. I, I tend to be very conservative from that standpoint, hiring because of the economy, the ups and downs. And I found a lot of times people are not always working at their maximum efficiency. And I'd rather reward somebody that's already working for us, that's willing to take on another skill set or another challenge or I'd try something different. Yeah. For example, in, in production, I went up to one of our, our production guys, been here for a number of years. I said, you know what? You'd be really good to learn how to work the computer and program this firmware inside of each of our unit. He goes, I don't know how to do that. I, have no, I said, no problem. I'll have an engineer sit down with you, yeah. we'll do a little training session, we'll videotape it, and we'll let you try it. And if you like it and you enjoy it, that could be a new responsibility for you. 
he says, oh, I love it. This is exciting. It's great. And slowly that became his new responsibility. So each person you add on little responsibilities that they buy into and, and enjoy and like, and they don't resent it. And they also see the association take on more work, more responsibility, more reward. It, it's a win-win for everybody. Now, Scott, I've got to ask you, because this is something that comes up with a lot of people. Uh, we talk about nepotism. How have you, as a family business, been able to constructively continue your growth and development with it sounds like you've got your brother at your at your side, you work with your dad, like how does that dynamic work right? Because clearly after 50 years, you're doing something right. You're, you've been able to somehow manipulate it to where everyone seems to get along somehow. How does that work? Because most of them it doesn't. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And the family dynamics are difficult. And my, my sister's worked in the business. My brother actively works here. He actually is in Costa Rica now, so he works remotely. Cool. Doing video and doing manuals, spec sheets and all of that. So we have to work all of those things out. I've had relatives work here. I've had friends that work here. So you have to learn to somewhat separate you know, the yeah. relationships a little bit. And I think that that is challenging. I'm, I'm fortunate in that we've never had any major problems or blowouts or things. Right. We talk a lot. And I think that's key. If you're not communicating how you feel and the problems you have, then you'll have problems. For, for me also, you have to have something that is tied to work that's also your getaway. Yeah. I tend yeah. to do a lot of things in the world of media. I wrote three books. And right. So those are healthy distractions that also feed the business. Right. Uh, public speaking, I'll go out and publicly speak at different trade shows and events. Right. That's helpful for me. So it, they're like mini vacations from my daily job that some things aren't always that enjoyable, Love but it, it allows you to go there full force because you're re-energized. If you don't re-energize yourself, it gets boring. And, and this is technically, it's the only job that I've ever had. If you could imagine that since I started in sixth grade, throughout <laughs> school, through college and on. That so is I only know one thing. <laughs> completely unrelatable to me. <laughs> I get I get distracted after about four or five years and, and it's time to time to think about the next thing. But uh, you know, this is this has been a really great interview, honestly. Um, there's so many people, so many different founders and different uh, owners and operators of businesses have to approach it in different ways because we're just different people. And so yeah. I love the advice you've given. I love the experiences you shared because quite frankly, they're unrelatable to me. But but I think that it's totally relatable to someone listening who's like, man, I, I took over. I'm thinking about taking over dad's company or I, I, I you know, there is a passionate play there to, to take what what someone that you love has created and nurtured and make it better. You know, and I think that yeah. that's really inspirational to me. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think it's hard to, to balance those things. And I'll, I'll be honest, we've had multiple times people knocking on our door, interested to buy us, to, yeah. to, to acquire us by these big giants. And, and we've always held back and tried to st stick to our core. So I always encourage people that to the best of your ability and everybody's situations are different. We've been fortunate. We've never in 50 years had to actually go to a bank and borrow a dollar. That's awesome. That's kind of unique for a business Very that's unique. privately held and that's actually growing and got all these weird things going on. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of, kind of a niche and it's working. So I say, if it's not broken, don't try to fix it and do something crazy. Right. But at the same time, you have to have a plan. Like we bought property next door in Anchor because as we grow, I want to be able to expand and be able to have to put up yeah. another facility and nicely grow into that so we can keep the business scaling up. And I think that's important. So you have to think today, 
five years and 10 years out if you really want your business to succeed and have goals and work toward them. I love it. Now, I always ask this question because I I think it is inspirational. Who who in your life, who in your circle has been there to inspire you to to kind of keep the business going and growing? Well, I I think from the the technological side and business side, I have to say my father. He instantly comes to my mind. Obviously, yeah. He he challenged me the first time I worked in the company. He had a, a big box of broken keypads. And he said, you know, if you fix this, I'll give you a dollar for each one you fix. And I said, wow, that's great, but I don't know how to fix them. He goes, let me sit down and show you. He sat down and took a couple hours and showed me how to solder and how to make a measurement on a meter and do some basic troubleshooting. And guess what? I stayed on that box till I fixed every single one of them. He was happy. I was happy. It helped the company, helped the customer. So I think think that's important to have somebody that can challenge you, that sees maybe the potential in you. And I I hopefully can do that with my employees, see the potential in each one of them and focus on what they love to do. Don't give them the crap they hate to do because the more you do that, the more problems, the more they're going to want to walk out the door. Love it. Love it. Awesome. That's a great shout out. Now, Scott, how do people follow you? Are you are you active anywhere on social media? Where where can people get a hold of you? Yeah, I'm probably too active on social media. Everybody will say I'm all over LinkedIn, uh, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. It's at Love Scott it. BVS. But if you just do a, a search for Scott Schober, I'm sure you could you could find me. And I, I really do actually answer questions that people send me. I probably get twenty to thirty questions from people out there that are readers of my book or need awesome. help with cybersecurity. I'm constantly doing that. I love it. Love it. Well, that's awesome. Scott, thanks so much for being on the show today. And we look forward to helping anyone out there who is trying to grow and scale. If you're in a similar position that Scott's been, don't hesitate to reach out to him. This is what this show is all about. And we thank you for being here. We look forward to seeing you on the next one. Hey, so what did you think of that interview? I thought it was fascinating. For me personally, I have only worked with friends and family two times and I don't think I'll ever do it again, (laughs) to be honest with you. It is not a good play for me. I don't know why, it just doesn't work. But with Scott, he was able to make it work and I totally appreciate that because I've had three or four guests on the podcast that have taken over dad's business and all three or four have been successful at navigating that tricky transition between father and son and be able to make it work in a way that not only did they take it over, but they dramatically improved the output of the company. I loved it. I love each one of these. And, and listen, if you're in that boat and you're trying to grow and scale a business that you didn't start, this is a great episode. Share it with those that need to hear it. Like and subscribe. Be part of our community. We are truly growing a community of founders and, and business operators who are trying to grow and scale their businesses. And we appreciate you being here. We'll see you on the next episode of the Growth and Scaling Podcast. And we look forward to seeing you.